Welcome. You are about to take a journey to a place of the divine love within with Deborah Buffet on the Love by Intuition show. For the next hour, allow her to prepare you in becoming a magnet for a profound love-infused relationship by identifying and focusing on solutions through love. Awaken the light within and let your essence shine. And now, here's Deborah Buffet on Love by Intuition, all part of the Dream Vision 7 radio network. Welcome, everyone. Bonjour, mes amis. And yes, here I am, Deborah Beauvais, founder and owner of the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. As I say, we're in our 17th year, and we are a fully producing internet radio station with all the bells and whistles. You can have a show with video, without. You can do pre-records. We do it all. And we have all the bells and whistles so you can listen in your car, at home, at the office, in Europe, wherever you are. Um, And we have Alexa. You can just ask her to play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. And voila, you're listening to our 24-7 station. Well, I have two wonderful guests that I'm really excited about, and they're doing such good work, and they're amazing in their own um, in their own space. I mean, what they do uh, is really important in making a difference. And as everyone knows, I love to have guests that make a difference. This is a live show, so if you would like to call in, have a question or share uh, your thoughts, our number is, and Bob is in the house, our number here is 833-220-1200. Again, 833-220-1200. So we have Peggy Wilms. She is an entrepreneur, author, host of her own radio show with video, um, The Coach Peggy Show, and wellness retreat host, educator, and speaker. She's a certified personal trainer, sports performance nutritionist, and personal and executive health, wellness, and life coach for over 35 years. Um, She has started All Things Wellness. She has committed her life to work working and helping people solve real problems. And um, she's, she's been doing this her most of her lifetime, so I'm honored to have her. And then we have Dennis Patoko, who is CEO of Good Works 360. It's a nonprofit doing amazing things. And he's also CEO of 360 Nation, which is quite an extensive website with so many writings and stories and sharings. So it's good just to go and, you know, digest all that information. Um, We'll be giving out those websites a little later. But without further ado, we are going to be talking about their new project. It's a movement, Unsheltered Voices from the Street. So welcome, Peggy and Dennis. Hello, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Dennis. So let's start with Peggy, um, because you've done, you know, some phenomenal things through your career, and um, you're out in Colorado, correct? I actually was there for about 30 years raising my family, and now for nine years I've been living in Florida. Oh, and Dennis is in Florida as well. I am. Right? 
Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> so with everything that you're both doing, you are now have started this movement for the homeless and educating people on the truth of what happens and all these belief systems we may all have about homeless people. You're raising awareness and you're um, giving the, um, the truth of what happens to people, any of us. Any one of us could be homeless at any given time. Uh, so, Peggy, you're the one that um, started this movement. Did you, what did you see in Florida? What inspired you? What started all this? Thank you for having us, first of all. Um, I've been writing compilation books for a couple of years and writing my own books, and I really embrace the fact of helping people tell stories. I do believe it connects us, and I do believe that it gives everybody a little baby voice in an anthology, um, and you hold their stories very delicately. After I met Dennis um, for the second time last year in March, I wanted to write another compilation book after hearing about the amazing things he was doing in Tampa. So I set up a Zoom call and I said, Dennis, I want to write a compilation book. I want to write about real stories from real people on the streets. I want to help change the narrative and I refuse to do this project without you. <laughs> and that's how it started. <laughs> if I can borrow from Penny, which you made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Oh, I see. So, but what, how did this all start? Because we're all experiencing, we see, um, not only in the cities, but even in the small towns, this homelessness. So, um, how did you get in, you know, fired up to do this? I've had, well, I've had some exposures to tent cities in Grand Junction, Colorado, rural Colorado. I really saw an influx of homelessness there. And, um, Personally, for me, it truly was coming from what, what lane can I give a platform and vessel stories that people misunderstand the most? And I felt, uh, you know, we've learned many things along this last nine months, and the main thing that I, well, we learn something every day, but the main thing that I learned with this particular, you know, lane of population, I should say, is that they have a commonality. All my other compilation books, they might have talked, you know, they might talk about divorce or a bankruptcy or a weight loss, and it was very diverse. There's a commonality in this. They've either been homeless themselves, are homeless, one degree removed, or a nonprofit that works with the population. And truthfully, I wanted them to tell us how to help. I didn't want us thinking we had it figured out anymore and, you know, sit on the recliner trying to figure it out. We needed to get into the streets and figure it out ourselves. So these stories are real. They're from real people. We learned early on that we needed to make sure we were safe. Um, we didn't want to run out into the streets ourselves. We wanted to be safe. We have interview guides that people have helped us gather these stories. And honestly, that's how it started, is just to be a vessel. I see. Wonderful. So how did you talk with Dennis to get involved with this because it's a big project and there are other people well known that are supporting it and involved 
So. Right. Well, the the main thing for me, Deborah, it's about relationships. Like you said, I've been in a, the health and wellness and medical lanes for 35 years. And I've really learned along the way that it is all about people. I know people's behavior pretty darn well. And I am old enough that I want to pick with who I want to spend a lot of time with. And frankly, that, you know, when I thought about somebody to do this, this is my fourth compilation book, and I edit for other people, and I know how much work it is. I know what the editing and the publishing is like, and I really wanted somebody similar to myself that's a taskmaster and works from their heart. This is a for-good project. This is not for-profit. When we do sell the book and we make profits from it, they're going to go back into the communities that need it. And I think that's what lured Dennison, to be honest, I think he was hesitant at first. He thought it was a for-profit effort, and he can speak for himself, but I think that spoke to him. Mm, very good. Dennis, when you actually heard a few of the stories for Peggy's book, were you... Both of us were co-authoring. Okay, okay you both are the co-authors. Um, but listening to the stories in real time and real people... Were you surprised at all? And I want to ask Peggy this too, but we'll start with Dennis. Were you surprised at all of your, did it, did it um, question or did it question your own belief systems? Were you surprised that maybe what you held was not fact? Absolutely. I was shocked. I was disappointed in myself that I thought I knew what it meant to be homeless. Uh, but I, like many people, were, I don't know, falling prey to what I'll call the false narratives that, you know, the classic media stories when homeless becomes the next popular thing to talk about. You see the same headlines, you see the same pictures, um, and very often you see statistics. But uh, if I can just back up for a minute as to why I said yes to Peggy, and it kind of falls along the same path that she was describing. Now, we've been doing our 360 Nation thing for about a dozen years now, and as Peggy knows, we do everything for good. We, don't, we do nothing for profit. We don't advertise. We don't sell things. But we also spend a lot of time, Deborah, over the years saying no. And what I mean by that, when you look at the size of our audience and the, the, the depth and breadth of our reach across the world, there are people coming to us all the time with schemes, if you want to call it that, of, of using... Mm -hmm brains, our audience, and their ideas, Peggy is the first time we've ever said yes. And we said yes for a couple of reasons. Number one, we can see her heart. Number two, it's for good, as she mentioned. Number three, it wasn't going to be a bunch of scholarly articles. It was going to be real people on the street, the kind of people that we've touched in our years through Good Works working with the homeless. So it didn't take much. And the final thing that sold me is it wasn't just going to be about America. It was a global initiative. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love that. Thank you, Dennis. And Peggy, how about you? Were you surprised of your own belief systems once you get started and found out the truth of what's happening out there? Absolutely. I, I think, as I said earlier, I've worked with tens of thousands of people over the years. And, you know, I do, I am very aware of mental health issues. I'm very aware of what happens with relationships breakdown and finances breakdown. So I understood that that can put a lot of people on the street. With that, mm -hmm. I recognized 
the stigma that also comes from that, the shame of trying to get back into the workforce, the shame of not having a residential address. For me, the stories that are coming in, as Dennis knows, um, move me so much some days I have to reach out to him in, in literal tears because it slaps you upside the face every day on what is important and what is not. And, you know, we are very blessed to have our foreword written by David Berenbaum. He is the Deputy Assistant Secretary out of D.C., out of our government, and so to have him on board, he had to get special permission. We also have mm -hmm. Ron Rampola, who is an internationally known artist who has done our cover so beautifully. And then we also have a musical anthem by Rocky Michaels, whose first, you know, his last song is so unbelievably, you know, focused on the homeless and, and beautifully written. So as Dennis said, we didn't pull in articles. That's not what this is about. My biggest surprise in this is how, one, I'll give you one statement. When someone, one of the stories a person said to me, I don't know why people think when they look at me that they don't realize I see them looking at me. And I think that that's so profound wow. because for many of us, I think we come from a place of fear. Honestly, sometimes it's ignorance. Sometimes it's stupidity. Some of us think it's just drugs and alcohol. Some of us think people want to just stay there and be there. So much bigger than that, Deborah. And I'll let, turn it over to Dennis. But for me, I took this project on thinking I was going to change the whole entire world in this venture. I was going to have nonprofits step up and it was going to be immediately global. What I have learned is I've been humbled that if we can change one single life, one single 11-year-old to get off the street, anything that we can do, I can rest at night. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, the whole idea is that, uh, and the whole blessing for both of you is you're coming from your hearts. And when you come from that place, instead of for profit or how much money can we make, um, all those mindsets don't serve the higher. And, and with you coming from your heart, this is something that will, that will explode and larger. However, it takes work and it takes some time. But you've already, when the people that are involved with this um, book that's going to be coming out, it shows you that you're on the right track. And I'm sure you're, you feel that and you get nudges from the universe <laughs> that you're on the right path. And, but as much as we do and we enjoy what we're doing, it's still work. And, um, but the joy that you receive is, um, you can't put a price on that. Um, so, Dennis, um, over to you. As far as... I think one of the main misconceptions for people, or not misconceptions, let's change that, one of the beliefs or misunderstanding or just not knowing, just not knowing that when someone is looking for a job and they're on the street um, and they may have opportunities, but a big uh, a big um, boulder in, in that in that path is they do not have a residential address. And for any of us, when we're looking for a job, wanting to get an apartment, uh, want to help with funding, any of those things, you have to have an email address and a residential address. So can you speak to that? 
I can because, uh, and speaking directly to the homeless population on the street, you've just touched upon one of the key issues. People assume, as we've talked about, that homeless are lazy. They don't want to get a job. Well, as I've said to many people, uh, picture getting up in the morning and you think you have a job interview. Number one, you don't have any breakfast. You haven't slept in a warm place. You don't have any clean clothing. You can't take a shower. You can't get a drink of water. You've got to find your way to wherever that interview is. And when you get there, um, you're already, I don't know, sitting back in your chair, for lack of a better term, because there is, speaking to many people, the natural shame that comes from the fact that when they ask that first question, you know, Dennis, what have you been up to for the last three years? How do I answer that in a way that I can move to the second question? Um, Which, when you wrap all those things together, Deborah. Uh, it, it forces you back to saying, why bother? I want to get a job, mm-hmm. I want to, but I need some fundamentals, starting with an address. That's very important, but the rest of it's got to connect the dots as well. That's right. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, to, you know, on behalf of the human race, it's natural for all of us from it's generational we take on beliefs or or thought processes that may have been a couple generations ago and i'm always talking about when you get to be about 20 it's good to ask yourself what do i believe in and and about this topic that topic whatever it may be politics anything why do I believe this? Is it my belief or is it my dad's? Is it my belief or is it my grandmother's? And I think that it is important for every human being to question that when they're 2021 and decide doing some research, watching the truth, decide what serves them, decide what works for them. And then as much information that we gather, it's a knowledge, it's almost like well, what do we really know? Um, but the bottom line is, I think it's important to question ourselves always. Um, mm-hmm. Peggy, do you yeah. do you believe in that? Do you think that is a valid thought? I, I actually was saying over and over in my mind a couple of words that you said I wanted to piggyback on. And I think what's worked for Dennis and myself, first of all, we have a huge amount of respect for each other. But also, Mm -hmm. as we took this approach, we put everything we've ever known in the closet, and we came out with a clean slate and said, we don't know what we don't know. And we just tried to leave all of our own narratives and perceptions on the, just leave it out. And and I'm so proud of us for doing that, because there there was no preconceived anything for us. I mean, Dennis has worked in several, you know, you know, different food kitchens and communities, and he's done his tours and trips around Tampa to help this um, population. But for me, the, the willingness to learn things such as this, you know, I wanted to, to share a few quotes. We're doing story teasers from some of our authors, and one person out of Mercedes, Mercedes out of Colorado said, turning our hearts on the adult homeless population is one thing. Turning our heads on our homeless children is despicable. And when I interviewed her, um, something that I learned is I, you know, we don't know what it's like to be a parent until we have children. We don't know what it's like to grieve unless we've lost somebody. And I have not, right, I've not had a child, been exposed to a child who has such a horrific home environment. 
that they hit the streets believing it's safer, believing there's freedom, mm-hmm. believing they'll be taken care of. But when our children hit the streets, they are running from not only their home, but from the adults that are already out there that potentially could take advantage of them. And then thirdly, they're running from Child Protective Services. So when things happen to them, they don't want to go to the police. They don't want to go to another adult. They don't want to talk to their teacher because they don't want to go back home and they don't want to go back into the system. Right. That makes so, so the, much I mean, So the amount of kids makes... that are on the street, also we don't really know those numbers because a lot of parents aren't sharing that their children have left home. The teachers are seeing a lot of things. And so, I mean, it's things like that, Deborah, is the we don't know what we don't know approach to this. And it is a global project. And Dennis and I have found consistencies in that, in that, you know, human nature is human nature, whether you're in Japan or India or Indianapolis. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I bet you've learned so much. Uh, Just... And, and and I want to thank you both for being on the show because mm-hmm. it elevates this particular issue. I mean, we have so many issues uh, to deal with, but this is so key and we do have to think of the children because what happens to them early on molds them for the rest of their lives and then they may be needing, you know, therapies and things of that sort because of what they've experienced. Um, so we need to take our first break. Everyone, uh, this is a call-in show. If you have uh, a thought around homelessness or maybe you have a story or maybe it's your own story, feel free to call in. We would love to hear from you. Bob is in the house. He'll put you right through and our toll-free number is 833-220-1200. If you want to get in touch with either Peggy or Dennis, for Peggy, Peggy, uh, you simply go, well, there's actually two sites. One is allthingswellness.com, and the other is her name. It's Peggy Wilms, and Wilms is like Will with a M-S, PeggyWilms.com. And then for Dennis, it's 360nation.com and goodworks360.com. We'll be back in a moment. Experience a different yet profound healing with Reconnective Healing includes yet expands beyond any and all known forms of energy healing. The Reconnective Healing Spectrum is comprised of the full healing and evolutionary continuum of energy, light, and information. It allows for healings that are not just physical, not just mental, not just emotional, yet go beyond that to bring healing that includes the evolution of your very being and essence. Deborah Beauvais, trained and certified by world-renowned Dr. Eric Pearl, offers appointment hours at Seekonk Family Chiropractic in Seekonk, Massachusetts. For questions or to set up both distance or local sessions, call Deborah at 508-431-1959. Again, 508-431-1959. Or go to lovebyintuition.com. That's lovebyintuition.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. 
Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. After narrowly surviving the attack on Sandy Hook Elementary, first grade teacher Caitlin Royd DeBellis was left searching for answers that would never come. Eventually, she chose to focus on questions that could be answered. How do I make sure this tragedy doesn't define us? How do we get our control back? Those two questions led her to found the 501c3 nonprofit organization, Classes for Classes. When gifts poured into their classroom, she decided they would help someone else by paying it forward and being kind. This developed into a social network which allows K-8 classrooms to connect so that every student in the United States can learn these crucial lessons. Classes for Classes' mission is to build students' social-emotional intelligence by connecting them to care. All C4C projects are crowdfunded. Any teacher in the U.S. can visit classesforclasses.org. That's classes, the number four, classes.org. Sign up today. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. And we are back. Uh, we are visiting with Peggy Wilms as well as Dennis Patoko, and we are discussing homelessness. Uh, they are in an, they have an endeavor of this series of unsheltered voices from the street, and their focus is to bring it to life early spring. So we're discussing their goals, what they've done so far, what they're going to need, we will discuss. But I wanted to open up, you both spoke of shame um, a couple of times, and each of us, I believe, part of our journey here on earth is to address shame. I think every single human has that. Um, It's an innate emotion, um, sometimes over something that is so tiny and naturally something that is huge. Um, So how do you, like when, let me ask you, when you're talking with people that have experienced homeless, is there a layer of um, speaking with them on how to um, delve into shame and be able to be at peace with it, let it go, embrace it, and then let it move through? Is there any work in that area? Because every homeless person must be in that emotion. Peggy first. Go ahead. Dennis? Oh, no, I'll take a crack at it. Frankly, um, 
the notion, this goes back to our learning experience. It never occurred to me, Deborah, that shame was something that we needed to look at because it just didn't. I was looking at all the other issues that you read about with the homeless, but I happened to be traveling across the country and I met with one of the people that write for our website and he runs a consulting practice called The Shame Doctor. And I happened to be saying, here's what I'm working on right now with Peggy. And, and he's the one that enlightened me that, have you ever considered the shame that comes with that? And we talked about what we talked about earlier, the idea of going for a job interview and other circumstances where you can't look your best or you feel your best. Mm. was enlightened at that point that, wow, I never looked at it that way. And we've actually asked him to contribute to the book to enlighten us and educate people beyond what I just said. So remarkable. But something else I noticed, and this is from standing on the street and talking to homeless people, things I would never have done a year ago, but I'm now intentionally doing that. They may feel some shame, but it's amazing how much of that, I shouldn't say falls away, but visibly changes. When I do, the first thing in it is speak with them, give them eye contact, introduce myself, ask them what their name is. Yeah, they want food and they'd like a donation, but that is not at the top of the list. They, they want to stop being invisible. And you're meeting them where they are, not where you are. Now, shame maybe needs some of that if you get past those initial discussions, but it's remarkable the transformation I've seen um, from people that you walk up to and take a different approach entirely. You got to, as early, you got to be safe, but you can be safe and make one heck of a difference before you reach for your wallet or anything else you might want to give them. Right. Right, because it, you know, and then there's this misconception, and I've heard it in my own family, where those that are looking for money because they're out of a job, that they're going to use that money um, not to the highest good from what our perspective is. Uh, And it's, you know, the whole thing about giving like that isn't really about them. It's about us giving and and changing the um, narrative as you have shared, as well as feeding the consciousness of something good. And um, so I, I thank you for that. And I mean, I imagine you've learned so many things. Peggy, have you, um, how do you feel about the shame and have you come across people that you could actually help that are on the homeless spectrum? I think um, for me, I would like to ask the listeners to just, you know, put on a woman's hat and a child's hat. This has been one of the other big awakenings for me. You know, we think about homelessness. You may think about the 70, you know, whatever, 60-year-old white male sitting on the edge of the corner just begging for money. Looks like he needs a fifth of whiskey. You don't want to give Mm -hmm. him anything, and he's just lazy, and he's dirty, and he's yucky. And some of the stories, I'll give this as a twofold answer, some of the stories coming in are, do you really understand, Peggy, that we are turned on to the alcohol and the drugs on the street because of what put us on the street, not that we were that way and we ended up on the street. And with our economy the way it is and with our housing the way that it is and with the food prices the way that they are, my heart opened up to that fact and I hadn't thought of it reversely like that. I also hadn't thought about the shame that comes even more so to the woman who has a horribly, you know, a domestic violence case at home. She runs from the home, and you want to talk about unsafe? 
when a woman is willing to be on the, the street in her car with two or three children and how unsafe it is out there, but the shame of not wanting to say even what happened in her four doors with a roof over it, but now it's happening mm. without four walls and a roof over her. So right. that's another level of shame. And also another level of shame is mental health. We've seen an escalation in homelessness since COVID. And, you know, mental health, we say we're talking about it more. We're saying it's okay to not be okay. But this population, we really need to come with an open, you know, a hand, a lift up, not a handout. Right, right. You make some good points about domestic violence because not every state or every area has a program for battered women and children. And if you don't have that, where do you go? And then our court system still needs work on protecting the woman and the children. Uh, And, yeah, it's a whole category uh, of issues right there. Um, that's another whole show, um, but it's a valid thing. I've, I've been a victim of that back in the day, and um, luckily I had the inner strength to run, and I was successful in doing so um, with a six-week old child, uh, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone, uh, especially if you have more than one, Um, But um, shifting gears to the homelessness, which could very well be a mom and three kids in a car, um, and where do they go? I mean, but shifting gears, what do you need for the listeners now, for the listeners, because they'll be um, hearing the show streamed later um, a number of times. It will be archived so people can listen on demand and also for those that may be just tuning in, we, we, um, all the shows that we have are on 55, 60 different podcast directories where you can go, you're used to going on Spotify, you can hear our shows there. But back to what do you, we'll start with Peggy, what do you need? What can the listener do to help you? If Dennis was sitting beside me, he'd probably have a muzzle ready to put over my mouth. Um, um, What I believe we need, I mean, we've been honored. These stories are coming in from individuals. Some of them are still on the run. Some of them are undercover. Some of them are still on the street. But we are receiving stories. For me, I want to know where in the heck the nonprofits are. I want to know how many more people do we have to email? Do we have to knock on their door? Do we have to beg them to just tell us what what are they doing? How can we help? How does this work? Give us some stories. And we are oh for 50 on nonprofits who are willing to step up and have a conversation with us beyond that they would like to have a conversation with us. Where's the action? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dennis, save me. Well, I, I, well I'm hesitating because I could dominate the rest of this call. And having been... <laughs> Involved in nonprofits for over a dozen years, having chaired some nonprofits that touch the homeless. It's about time that the nonprofits worldwide, this isn't just a U.S. thing here, they look at that mission statement they have up on the wall and they start walking that talk. It goes beyond the fancy words. Yeah, they may be serving the homeless and touching them day to day, but there's other ways to help them, and that's get their stories told, or better yet, If you can't do that, share the stories based on your involvement with them. Help us educate Mm -hmm. the world 
Uh, and yes, that'll give you as a nonprofit more visibility. And yes, you might get more donations. And yes, that might help the population you're serving. So it's a win-win-win. Our problem is, as uh, Peggy has said, we've been knocking on a lot of doors. They're just not answering. The other really? thing, Deborah, I want to piggyback on top of that. The other thing, too, is that we're offering a lot. We're saying, hey, we're going to give you a spot in the book. Talk about what you do. What is your mission? What is your contact? How can people help you? What city are you in? What country? What continent? And we're offering that to these nonprofits. And I initially thought that is how we would get the majority of our stories. We'd go sit down mm -hmm. with the director. We'd say, hey, it's safe here. Can you go talk to John who comes in every Friday? We initially thought that that would be the easiest, safest way for us to, and we thought it would be kind of interview-ish through them. And mm -hmm. we have yet to gather a story on that path. Oh, wow. Wow. Do, is it because they're so focused on their own uh, mission, or is do they realize the you know the drive and the concept that you are, have created? I do um, think that there is an element, and I don't want Dennis to speak to this for sure. I do think there's an element of this. There are some really good ones out there, and I do think they put their feet on the ground every single day to do the right thing, and they're as busy as we are. I, I suspect they don't look at us or are not understanding we're partners in this. We're trying to be a community in this, have a sense of belonging with them. Um, mm -hmm. And I wonder if some of them don't want the light on them. I'll just put it that way. Mm. Yeah. Dennis? Well, I can only add to something I said earlier, and maybe I didn't say it well enough. Um, when you look at what Peggy and I are doing, and let me tell you, we have defined it, as well as we defined it when we were talking to you ahead of time about coming onto your show, Deborah. So there was no doubt what we were up to, why we were doing it, where the money would go. And I don't think it gets to the top of the inbox because you don't look at it. I'm sorry, nonprofits mm -hmm. not looking at it as an income stream. It has mm -hmm. to be looked at in that. It's, it's not about mm -hmm. bringing in donations. Yeah, it'll, it'll do that over time, as Peggy said, because we're going to give them something they all crave, and that's visibility of their missions. But you've got to look beyond that and saying, this is, hitting, this is boots on the ground stuff. This is touching the people that we serve. And I, I'd like to get you a better answer to that question, but in order to do that, one of those many nonprofits are going to have to answer the door that we're knocking yep. on. Yep. Mm. So the people that are listening now and later, are you, what if they had, what if they have their own story? Um, is that what you're looking for? Or maybe it's someone in the family that had the issue, but now they have had a help up, or maybe they're still in it, but they're in that, they're in that family. Are you looking for them to speak up and say, yes, I would like to write a story for your book? We're looking at a couple of, you know, several populations. If anyone, you know, if you go onto allthingswellness.com forward slash unsheltered, um, we've got our mission and vision there. And we are happily gathering stories from anyone who is homeless, has been, 
one degree mm-hmm. remove, which would mean, you know, maybe you've got a daughter, a coworker, a child, and I want to come back to speak to that section in a second. If you're a nonprofit or a professional has worked with this population, so we, we have our bullet points that are pretty much open-ended, to be honest. Um, the one thing that I would say for any of your listeners, if you are wanting to step up and tell a story, I want you to be very considerate um, in the sense of if you're, you know, you don't want to defame someone, you don't want to rock the boat so much that it's going to be counterproductive. We have pseudonym options if that feels better. We're mostly going for the meat, the what, the why, not the who. Um, okay. And so, so any stories, we would love to have stories from nonprofits that are just from behind the desk. I would welcome that gladly. Mrs. Smith, tell me what your day is like. Tell me how you feel. Your, what can we do? I mean, those are, we're seeking anything, Deborah. Okay. Okay, that's good to know, and it's good for the listeners to know. I have a, I have a different kind of a call to action for the listeners, if you don't mind, Deborah. And, sure. And that would, be, that would be, don't wait for the book. Make yeah. a difference to the, the homeless people today. Get onto the street. It, it, you know, my first time wasn't easy because I'd never approached homeless. Now I do it, and my wife and I do it intentionally. Give them the eye contact. Make them visible. Give them a donation. Give them something to eat. But start with approaching them as individuals, as people, because that is consistently what I'm told when I finally sit down with them. Um, just make us visible. Uh, right. So and we can do that today. We and everyone has value. And exactly. I'm sure that's a part of when you do sit down with them to let them away, let them be aware that they have value because in the situation they're in, not only do they have shame, but they lose their worthiness and and what they're all about. They le- lose their identity. Um, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we need to take our last break. Uh, it's still time for those listening to call in to Bob. He'll put you through 833-220-1200, but you're going to have to hurry up. So, so we'll be back in a moment. Stay with Take us. Take a journey to a place of the divine love within with Deborah Beauvais on the Love by Intuition show, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. Eastern. Our message is love in the purest form. The light within us all is a guide to recall our beginning, to learn to love self and humankind, and to feel the higher power of our own divinity. To attract love, one needs to be love. Come join us and step into this glorious vibration called love. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. 
Experience Hope, the magic elixir of miracles through the personal stories of New York Times bestselling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. It's a child's job to play, to learn, and to have fun. It's an adult's job to keep them safe. Did you know that one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18? Every day, families enter the Children's Advocacy Center because a child's courage to tell someone what happened to them. Keeping our children safe starts with a conversation. This is Michelle Aranger, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center. Learn more on how to keep your child safe. Visit CACofBC.org. This message made possible by the Fall River Rotary Club. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. And I'd like to start with Peggy and then Dennis as well. What, share a couple of misconceptions that the human race may hold in their belief system. Oh, boy, that's, that's a wide range. Um, in regards to homelessness, there, are you asking about the yes. number one or two disbelief? Um, I would say, the thing that I would say is that they want to be there. I don't find anybody who said I want to be there. Um, you know, one of the, I've got several teasers in front of me that I was looking at during the commercial. And one of them, I mean, if you think about this quote, I had to leave the house with no job and nowhere to go. And my three years of homelessness started at age 54. That's Deborah Lang out of Sacramento, California. I think one of, so that I think is number one, one of the misconceptions is that they want to be there. What I would ask you is, consider this if you are it's 30 above zero there's snow on the ground it is December Christmas time and you have no clothes on the back your back except the coat you have you have no bag you have nothing and you go to a homeless shelter and it's full where do you go who no one wants that situation and all of us are two paychecks ish away from the exact same thing so to me, the you misconception. Yeah, to me, that for me, that's one of the misconceptions is that they want to be there. Um, and then the other misconception I would say is that it's solely mostly due drugs. You're breaking up for some reason. Oh, I was going to say that drugs and alcohol are not the forefront of this. And before we go on, I want to make sure, Deborah, that I say as far as writing a story goes, when I've worked, I just hit 400 authors that I've worked with in the last two years. And if you oh, take wow. the, non-home, the non-homeless population, they'll come to me and they'll say, nobody cares what I say or how do I write or I get frozen when I put my hands on a keyboard. I want to say to anybody listening that is homeless or has been homeless or if you know someone's homeless, you don't have to be an author. You just have to be a storyteller. We'll put the beauty mm-hmm. and the sprinkles on the cupcake and do your editing and help you. Do not get hung up in the fact of English and punctuation and structure. So I don't want anybody to be fearful that they have to be a best-selling author to tell us their story. Very good. Good point. 
Dennis? Something that shocked me when we first started, and again, I was learning pretty quick, and that was through reading, as I normally do, researching, getting closer to the homeless on the street. Something that shocked me in the beginning, and it continues to do that, I started hearing from people, you know, the USA, I know this is a global product, but it's not really a big deal in the U.S. because we're a wealthy, developed country. I went and looked at the stats, and I looked at the top 20 countries, developed countries around the world, and I figured, well, we're probably not even on the list when it comes to ranking by the most homeless to the less homeless as a population. We're number three on the list. It's shocking to mm. me. On yeah. average, about 600,000 Americans are on the street on a given night. You can break down right. those numbers. There's just sobering numbers that you wouldn't think in this country, given everything out of the wealth, so to speak, versus other countries that we would have that problem. Just absolutely amazing to me. The second myth that we deal with a lot, Peggy's touched upon some of the big ones there, but one of them is that, um, and I've learned this to be a myth, that people experiencing homeless are dangerous. Quite frankly, based on the people I've spoken with and the research I've done, more crimes are committed against the homeless than by the homeless because they're mm-hmm. vulnerable. And, you know, that everything they own is with them, and they're spending the day protecting that. So, well, you can just pick away at some of these myths, and you start to understand, I thought I knew what homeless meant. We don't. Right. Right. Um, there's so much knowledge to absorb, uh, and and again, doing research and finding the truth of what actually is instead of what someone may tell you or even, you know, the classic news, what they want us to know. I mean, all those types of things you have to, it's not like back in the day, you have to really find the truth. Um, Well, we, you know, for the remaining time, what else um, would you like to put forth for people to know or what other action, how they can support um, what you're doing? Share whatever you would like. For me, yeah, for me personally, I would like to really take advantage of social media. I would like to ask anybody that is out there, you don't have to participate in this project in the literal sense, but you darn straight can hit a share button. You can share our website landing page. You can email me at Peggy at allthingswellness.com. You can call me at 970-712-1723. If you are are struggling on how to get involved, you don't want to donate money, you don't want to have a conversation, hit the share button. Cut and paste and help us get to your community, your platforms, your hundreds of thousands of people, and let social media and the news do the work. You want to interview us? Call us. Mm -hmm. Very good. So on the social media, you actually have the landing page, that uh, the link there, so someone can just share that to their own media. Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Okay, well, we can do that as a station. We can certainly do that. Um, so we'll, we'll start doing that first thing in the morning. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And others can join us with that. Um, Dennis, what yeah. else is on your heart? Uh, I would like to make it as easy as Peggy is doing right now. And that's saying somebody sitting there somewhere in America or somewhere across the world listening to this and saying, 
well, I know somebody or I was homeless and, you know, it's just hard to get that information from them. I don't know what to do. Uh, I personally will talk to anybody anywhere in the world. And I'm going to give another phone number out. It's 813, that's 813 area code in America, 675-4509. I will speak with anyone anywhere to get the Mm -hmm. stories into this book. Uh, We've learned we've got to meet people where they are and take away any of the roadblocks that would stop them from being able to tell their story. Right. What can we do as far as, I mean, should, should people be contacting their representatives because each state really needs more funding? And I know Massachusetts is, uh, they're uh, making buildings, restoring buildings, and making them available for homeless people. I know a number of states are actually doing that, um, and it's a beginning. But there's so much to do. So should people be talking with representatives in their own state? You know, our initial intention wasn't to kind of go backwards, right? Our initial intention, you know, we just wanted to get into the meat. And now if I had to go back and do it again, I I may have simultaneously knocked on a few doors of people who have bigger mouths than I do and deeper pockets and more time and said, whatever you can do to shove them our way, I don't care if it's ABC TV, I don't care if it's Netflix, I really don't care who it is that can help. Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. can't march up the, the, the stairs at the Capitol every single day if we're the ones out getting stories. So if you want to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem, you better pick up your laptop and email us or you better give us a call because we're ready. We're, I don't care mm-hmm. if the book is, is 10,000 pages or we have to cut it into two. We have to be a collective <laughs> on this. <laughs> you know? Yes. That, that, that's a beautiful thought to actually have a series of the, of the one book. <laughs> and, uh, Deb, if I can add, if anybody out there is listening that is connected to the major media, any form of media, we want to talk to the media. We want to yep. help change that narrative. Mm-hmm. The classic narrative you see on the front page whenever it surfaces is not the truth. You mentioned the word truth when we started this conversation. I, I'd like to kind of wrap up with that thought. We can share what we've shared with you with the media. This can become a human interest story, and many newspapers are still craving for this. And there's not lack of information. They've just got to come to the source, and we can be that source and make their job so much easier. Mm, excellent. Um, a thought popped in my head. We're not on TikTok, but there's so much, um, a lot of people have received so much uh, reception and activity and visual uh, awareness through TikTok. Now, that may be creating I'm a on video. TikTok. I've got a okay. pretty big following. Good. Yeah, no, and you're right. I've got a pretty big following on TikTok, and, you know, that's the scrolling capital of the world. You've got 15, you used to have 15 seconds to grab somebody, you have about five. But but that yes. is a very good point. If it's the younger population, if you're 60, if you have TikTok, there are billions of people on TikTok. I am reaching out to you to please just anything that we can do, we'll start a TikTok channel. I don't care. But the younger population, if you're interested in that vessel, Let's go. I put a lot of stuff on my channel as it is. I put videos and and call to actions on my channel, but I would challenge anybody Mm -hmm. who'd want to hold our hand and and do that as well. Great. 
Great. Um, and and we make a, a good point in talking with the younger generation because they're the ones that are going to be making the most impact as they grow up. Um, and they need they need to know what's you know what is happening and what they can do, and a lot of the younger people are thirsty to be making a difference. Well, the economy so, is hurting them desperately, and you know one yes. of the gals told us in an interview said an, a homeless teenager becomes a homeless adult. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've we've got it we've got to get down. I think Dennis and I have a stat where one out of thirty kidney gardeners in the United States of America are being exposed to homelessness in the sense of either know someone or have spent a night having to Mm -hmm. be exposed to that. Those are big numbers. And, you know, the millennials right now, the economy is pretty yucky. So they need to be really serious about us helping each other. But we've lost a little bit of that, Deborah. And through storytelling, that's how we're going to get there. That's the commonality is telling Mm -hmm. stories and talking. Right, and we can recapture, we don't want that loss thought in our process. We want to be in the space of expanding and elevating and um, mm-hmm. enlightening. So, um, and that can all be and is. That's what the two of you are representing. Well, we need to run. I want to thank both of you for your time and your effort and all the glorious things you're doing to bring awareness to this homelessness issue on a global uh, on a global um, area. Uh, so until we meet again, everyone out there, go within, heal yourself, do good, and make a difference in the world, and know that you are worthy. Until we come together again, au revoir. Are you seeking a clearer path to love? Then tune in to the Love by Intuition show next week. All designed to your highest good. To contact Deborah Buffet, owner of Empowered Connections, call her at 508 226 1723. That's 508 226 1723. Or link on to lovebyintuition.com. Remember, we are all one. And we are all part of the miracle of love. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.